industry makes us wrong so much of the time. We're either too much, too aggressive, too ambitious, too technical, or not enough, not technical enough, you know, not <laughs> ambitious enough, and not wanting that leadership position enough, not speaking up enough, not going for it enough, or whatever it is. And I think like women just knowing these stories and knowing that they're not alone, that can be quite comforting. Having that support system, that's the number one thing. And that could be from anyone. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Joining me today is Jane Franklin, founder from The Source Platform. And today we're discussing women in the cybersecurity industry. So Jane, thanks for joining. It's been a while. I feel awful that I haven't had you on the show before and it's a pleasure to have you here today. Oh, it's so amazing to be here, Carissa. It really is. Thanks for having me. Now, Jane, I want to start with you are probably one of the original people who've pioneered women in cybersecurity. I mean, from my perspective anyway. So talk to me about your journey with this endeavour so far. Yeah, well, my work with with women in in cyber really started as an accident. So what happened was in 2015, I happened to write a blog on women in cyber because I picked up an IC squared report and saw that there were low numbers of of women. And I was really surprised because I've I at that time I think I'd been in the industry for about 17 years or something like that and I just thought I know so many women this is really this is really surprising I thought there were more than this but the thing that kind of like shocked me more was the stagnation so I'd seen a drop in the numbers of, of women and then I saw the numbers kind of stagnating so what I did was I I got I was already blogging a lot anyway so I just got onto LinkedIn and thought let me write about this and my experience and I was really courageous because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get killed for what I write, what I, what I wrote. But I didn't, you know, it's, it struck a chord, you know, a lot of people, men, men and women fed back to me and, and really enjoyed what I wrote about. And that kind of led me to, to write more. I wrote for more magazines. And then over the Christmas period, I didn't have my kids for about a week and a half. So I thought, I'll just make this a bit more useful and write it, I write a report and structure it out and everything like that. And that turned into about 15,000 words. And I thought, well, that's half a book. So although it's got nothing to do with my business, and I knew that a book was a really good part of a product ecosystem. So I knew it was like great for that, but it had nothing to do with my business. So I contacted a publisher who was a friend of mine. And I said, look, I, I've done this, you know, should I turn it into a book? What do you think? And she said, look, you'd be crazy if you didn't. And so that's kind of like how it all started. And I didn't think that it would actually take me very long to to write the book. But actually, it really was a research project. You know, the only kind of like qualifications I had was that I was a woman and I had, <laughs> I was working in cyber. But really, it was understanding, well, what is going on and talking to hundreds, if not thousands of people to, to hear their stories and to collect reference points, you know, data points and things like that. So that's kind of how it all began. And, and then when I announced that I was doing this, you know, just to, to check, because I, I also created a Kickstarter project so that I could publish, part self-publish, so it's a hybrid version of it. People wanted solutions. So it was just like, tell us what to do. 
and will you come and speak at, at our event? And and that's kind of like how my journey began. And I I started speaking. I wasn't a professional speaker. It was my greatest fear. And and so I kind of like traveled the world speaking about this, writing the book. And then I've kind of continued to do that until about probably two years ago. No, yeah, two or three years ago when I decided to create a membership, a platform, and really take it to the next level. And after I wrote the book, you know, I really kind of wanted to help more. But what I wasn't sure about was whether or not to create something purely for women or whether it needed to be gender neutral. And by 2019, I'd made that decision. So I just like cracked on, created a, a membership, a, a pure platform for, for women only and kind of set about, set about marketing that and selling it. So that's kind of been my journey today. I still speak a lot about women and and other topics in in cyber, like sustainability, like the moment I'm talking about sustainability, but that's kind of how my journey has, has gone. Wow. That's incredible. I didn't, I didn't actually know the full backstory. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, there's a few things as you've been speaking, Jane, that I really am curious about. You said that when you first started blogging on LinkedIn, you're a bit worried about because, I mean, I think LinkedIn and their quote-unquote trolls have diminished a lot. I don't know whether people are using the platform less or maybe they've woken up to themselves, but I'm curious to know, and you said that people were responsive. What were some of the responses you were getting around stuff that you were talking about online? Gosh, well, I mean, it was a while ago. I I actually included some of those right at the very beginning of, of my book, but there were comments from guys and they said, look, we try to get women into, into the industry, but they just don't want to come. You know, so I vividly remember remember that. And and then also women, I remember this one woman from Australia, actually, she talked to me about how she got into security and what she was doing, like paying it forward, going into schools and, and helping school children, like learn more about this and become familiar with it. So it was all, it, the it was very, very positive. And I've, I have actually been really lucky because I haven't actually been trolled that much. And certainly in those days, it, it was, I think it was more minimal. I mean, I have gone through trolling and quite severe trolling where people have been banned from Twitter and God knows what, what they said. I know some people were sacked from their, from their jobs because of, of how, it, how it went. But my experience by, by and large has been pretty much okay. But I do... I do deal with trolls in a certain manner and I, I don't tend to give them too, too much of my time. That's awful. So you're saying that people were trolling you based on the whole women in cyber or was it something different? <clears throat> there was one which was, that was to do with right at the very beginning when I was talking about writing a book and putting an event on. And, and one guy, he was director actually at a very big brand and then he was really very abusive. and. There were a lot of people watching at the time. And I remember one of the ladies from Australia, again, it's just like so coincidental, but she kind of messaged me and she said, that's bang out of order. I'm reporting him. This company are big on, on diversity and inclusion. Can you give me your email? And, and so that kind of happened. And he was, you know, he was, he was dealt with and actually we became good, good friends, but she showed immense support, you know, for, for me. And that, that was really good. 
And then another time really where it kind of blew up was when I had an issue with women in red dresses. And I blogged about this and I learned an awful lot from it and it actually turned out okay. But I was standing up for women and I was calling out something that happened at a very large event in in the UK. And, And this company had gone against the rules they had women who they were really kind of exploiting in terms of what they were wearing. If 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 it had been a whole theme, which it was, and the guys were dressed up too, it would have been absolutely fine. But they, because I've been in security for such a long time and because I've seen an awful lot, I blog, not blogged about it, I tweeted about it. And although the company did apologize, the, the event company apologized actually, and I was found you know, not to have like broken any rules or anything, anything like that. It it did all kind of kick off, and it was a really interesting affair. And it was all okay, as I said. And I learned lots about it and shared that, shared my learning lessons with with my network to ha- to help them. But that did kind of start a whole load of research and also the code of conduct that has made its way to like. Almost a hundred, if not hundred, event orgs all around all around the world. So, and that kind of serves to keep all people safe, but particularly women, because women are targeted, you know, so much more at at events. There, there's discrimination, there's exploitation, there's harassment, inappropriate behaviour. You know, you you name it, it, it goes on. And 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 this is somewhat i mean i've done i have done a groundbreaking substantial study on this that involved over 2157 women i think it was from you know, countries like the americas uk europe middle east africa like literally pretty much every continent oceana just so that i could hear from women and and get their view on what exactly was happening because typically we hear from America, we maybe hear from Canada, we maybe hear from Australia, we maybe hear from the UK, but typically we're not hearing from other countries. So for me, it was really important to get a world women's voice in inside, but on what was going on. Wow, that is crazy. I can't believe someone would go that far. And I'm just curious to know, so this director you're referring to, what what was the impetus to go to that extreme level? Like, okay, fair enough, maybe he disagreed with you, but did he have to go public? Mm-hmm. I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah, always to some people. I mean, I I immediately kind of thought, what's going on in his his life? You know, is is he drunk? It was a Sunday night. You know, is is he drunk? Is he getting a divorce from his wife? It, does he hate women? Like, what's what's going on? So I I was very tense and professional with my response, which is how I, how I always am. But who knows what was happening with him? And, and quite frankly, it's just like none of my business. That's his business to sort out. But it's very, very typical. I mean, like when I was being trolled extensively on, on Twitter, I remember one of the guys in, in cyberizing to me. Man, he, he did that when one of his friends stepped in and said, look, back off, Jane's, you know, Jane's a good person. And, and he said, I'm so sorry. He did apologize. And he said, I'm so sorry, but my natural default is to be the aggressor, the attacker, and you know, please accept my apology, which I did, and all, all was fine. And then some other people kind of steamed in and said, "How do you feel about a man like coming to your aids and all of that?" And I really didn't give, you know, <laughs> I really didn't care at all. It's just kind of like, "Thanks very much. You're a decent person." <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't really care about about that at all. But it it was really interesting. It was it was pretty horrible to see 
you know, how people reacted. They just brought their own agenda to it. They didn't find out what, what had happened. They were incredibly abusive. But this is, this is how, you know, how it can be, particularly on, on Twitter. It's absolutely horrific. And women's voices are being silenced. Absolutely. And they're being silenced by all types of people. So it's not a case of it's just men or it's just this particular type of man. There's a whole variety, like a whole variety going on. Professors, sea levels, men, women, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really unpleasant. Yeah. Wow. It sounds it. This is, this is pretty full on stuff. So, okay. Where do you believe this behavior stems from? So you're saying before the man on Twitter, the aggressive one, Where's this coming from? Like, what's the reasoning? Like, are they threatened? Do they feel inferior? Do they feel that they trying to put other people down and make them feel better? Because again, this seems very counterintuitive to the whole diversity and women insecurity. Yeah. This doesn't sort of incentivize women to work in the field based on what you're just sharing with, with me today. Well, not at all. And that's why many women don't speak on the record about it. You know, so it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there is a lot that go that goes on, and also when women do speak about it, they can be accused of complaining, you know, or it's, you know, I was allegedly attacked, assaulted, allegedly by by someone at an event, and he came after me because I, because of the work that I do, it was actually at a charity event and a charity event about abuse. It was you know, not good at all, and I was, I was really lucky, um. And a, and a guy did come down because people heard him going for me and and called one of my male friends and he came down and, and got the guy away allegedly because there was an investigation which found nothing. So yeah, yeah, it's people. People are. I think they feel some men maybe may feel threatened. You know, I can't speak for them and and why they do these type do these types of things. I mean. Particularly when there's drink involved, the the behaviour just becomes really unpleasant for some, for some, and I'm going to say men, you know. So, yeah, that fuels it, but it's not an excuse. You know, anyone can have a drink, and they don't. It doesn't mean that they're going to behave like that. It's just that it's it's more common to see that type of behaviour when when certain individuals have have had drink, have had something to drink, a lot to drink. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're you're spot on on that front. So I'm curious to know, do you think that this behavior is more rampant in cyber or do you think it's like this across all industries? So whether it's like male dominated, so like finance, mining, do you think it's just, I mean, it's hard for me because I've been in this in this space yeah. a decade. So it's a little bit hard for me to sort of pop my head up and say, oh, well, it's happening. It probably does happen everywhere, but it, it feels quite intense in this field though. I think you're going to see it more. I think you're going to see it more in certain professions. So, you know, I have done some research, not extensive research at all on on this, but I know, say, when you look at, and it's it's very sad, medics in the UK, the National Health Service. There was some there was some research done on sexism in the national for for health healthcare, and it's it's awful because it's healthcare. And, and that was really pretty horrific. I can't remember what the numbers were, but they it was really high. I know when I've looked at tech, because when this bit of research that I've just been referring to with the the data set of over two thousand women, the f- I saw a report that was done for women in tech at conferences, which really kind of inspired me to do this. 
and there were 500 women in that in that data set and then the numbers were pretty similar so one in one in four women who were attending IT events or cybersecurity events it's actually like like let's it's one in four for women but um you know attending a, a a cybersecurity conference or event said that they'd experienced sexual harassment that that was what i found and that was that was very very similar for women who attended IT events a few years a few years prior to that so i do think it is it's not i think i know it goes on in in other industries but like i said i haven't done extensive research i i did see medics and i also know that it's pretty horrific in in law as well absolutely horrific in law one in four that i mean that that's yeah. pretty high yeah it is yeah were yep. you shocked by that sort of statistic or no? Obviously no, not. I, I wasn't because I'd seen the women in tech report. I just thought it's it was absolutely bang on. It was it was exactly the same. You know, in 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 my report, you know, I wasn't just looking at harassment, I was looking at a few other things, but just like sharing about the harassment, you know, twelve percent of women reporting it were doing so on more than one occasion. You know, so this is repeated, repeated incidents behavior. When women were asked if they knew the rank of the sexual harasser, 35% of women reported they were executive or top level management. When women wow. do, yeah, exactly. But that wasn't a surprise. That wasn't a surprise at all because, because of the stories that I'd, I'd heard because of my, my experience as well. You know, when women do report harassment, it's often dismissed. And when women reported sexual harassment or inappropriate behavior to the event organizer, the majority said that they were not happy with how it was handled. So other things that are really common are that the code of conduct, say if there is one, is not visible. You know, so yeah, it's it's not it's not great, but that it can be improved. It can be improved. So would you say, Jane, if you had to boil it down to the biggest reason as to why there are less women in the field? I mean, we've, I probably know the answer to this, but are the reasons that we've spoken about already, are those the reasons why we have less women in the field? It, it's really, I think it's really hard to say because there isn't, there isn't the data. So the research hasn't been done. So research has been done by some companies and that's great. It's really good, even if it has changed a bit. So there is more reporting being done, but typically it's looking at how many women are in the industry, say, and and that can those those figures can, can vary. There hasn't been any research done on why women are leaving. I've looked at research, but it's pretty old research, and it's research that is to do with women in tech, and that goes back to 2016. And the the research that was done then said that. Over fifty percent of women were leaving tech before they reached thirty-five years old. Wow, that's pretty young. Exactly, you know. And if we know that a lot of women are career pivoting and they're coming into cybersecurity, you know, at you know at at a later stage, then that's worrying. You know, I heard the other day from someone, and again, it was anecdotal. There was no reference to to any research or anything like that. That most women leave within their first year because it is so tough. But again, it's just like, that's anecdotal. That's a story. Where's the research? I want to see the data. The comment you said, and obviously it's anecdotal, but so tough. What, what's tough specifically? More so the, the challenges that we've spoken about already today, would you say that's the driving factor? 
Oh, it, it can be. It, it's tough depending on what the organization is like. So, you know, if women are coming in now, they're experiencing remote or hybrid working, mostly remote working, I think. So if the onboarding processes aren't, aren't good, then they're just being left to it. So it's very easy when people are busy and they're bombarded with things and they're just getting on and maybe they are inadequate leaders, which many of them are because they're not they're not invested in it. They might have taken a leadership course, but that's it. They're, they're just being left. And, and then if women aren't speaking up or they don't have someone to turn to, I mean, the amount of women that I've spoken to and counseled and, and they've ended up staying because it's, it's been the right decision for them at that time is, 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 is immense. You know, it's, it's, it's an awful lot, but they don't have anyone to turn to and they, they might be fearful of appearing not strong enough or resilient enough, or maybe it's just me, I'm the problem. So kind of going inward and making themselves wrong. So gaslight, gaslighting themselves rather than kind of like reaching out and going, help, you know, is, is this like normal? Should it be like this? Or this person said this to me, you know, should I just ignore it? Or I'm being asked to do this and I'm really struggling with the amount of learning that I've got to do with the amount of work I've got to do and maybe I've got a family or I've got um, relatives to care for or whatever it is and I just can't cope but I feel like I can't say no so I'm taking it on or I'm being forced to take it on. You know, so there, I mean, there are so many different labels and things like that and the, there are so many different situations, you know, for for women who are coming into into the industry and there is also a, a lot of bullying that goes on in the industry and and a lot of unintentional bullying you know, that, that goes on as well. So it's, it's really hard. And, and women are being told by other women that they have to work really, really hard and that it, it, it is tough. And, and so they come in and they work at twice the speed or 10 times the speed. And it's no wonder that they get burnt out. It's no wonder that they become stressed. It's no wonder that the quality of, of their work drops. Or if they do go away to have a family and they come back, why and they can't work at the same intensity. And people look at them and go, well, you know, she's she's kind of like dropped off a bit, you know, or you get a comment like, because she hasn't, wow, I've worked with some incredible women even after becoming a, a mother. You know, so comments like that, I mean, literally are said all the time. Yeah, it's so true. And you are you are right, especially women do have to work double like as like twice as hard, I can understand, I can relate to that. You said before unintentional bullying. Do you think that perhaps people maybe aren't aware that they come across aggressive and then it, they're probably not aware that they're bullying people? Is that what you mean by unintentional bullying? Yeah, or it could be passive aggressive, you know, ness. You know, so yeah, absolutely. And some people kind of think, well, that was done to me, so that's how it is. You know, it's almost like stripes, you know. It's toughing you up, and we've got a whole variety of people that have come into our industry from lots of different in, lots of different kind of sectors, whether it's military or law enforcement or teaching or police, whatever whatever it is. And I'm not saying that those those people do that, you know, how, and kind of like demonstrate that behaviour at all. It's just that it's it's so mixed, and it is really prevalent, and people are getting away with it. 
you know, so, and they're getting away with it because there is this culture of fear. Women's voices are being silenced in particular because there's fear of, of being sacked. And there are stories about women being sacked for speaking up or about logging it with their manager or HR and them just being ignored. Well, yeah, I think you are absolutely right. I think, again, it's, I hear certain stories myself. I mean, I've experienced certain things myself as well. I think that, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because, I mean, I don't really have the answers and I, I'd love to, you know, soon talk about maybe some solutions that people can perhaps, you know, learn from you today. But before we sort of do that, you mentioned people are getting away with it. How do we keep people responsible and accountable? So you mentioned before, even if the event organizers, the response from certain people were it wasn't handled correctly or they didn't do anything. Do you think that that stems from they're not sure about how to handle it? Or do you think they know how to handle it, but then was like, okay, like, let's just sort of do a, you know, a half job at handling it? It it could be both. I mean, I I think... I, again, like I've not done any research into, into that, but again, from stories and things like that, I think most of the time people don't understand the procedures. They haven't had the training and, and things like that. I mean, most event companies are not very well run at all. You know, they re- it, it really is the, the odd one that is really well run and people know exactly what they're to do, they've got to do. So I would say it's more the former than the latter. But I remember one woman who was assaulted by a man at an event and she she spoke to me she spoke to the event organizer and the event organizer spoke to the guy saying you know he's a really good guy you know he donates to charities and things like that and what they asked her to do they said well you know can we basically put it right by um <laughs> donating to a woman's charity and also he's agreed to like come on, you know come on and and talk about gender diversity and things like that. Now, they really picked the wrong woman to kind of say that to because she was pretty fierce and she did take it to the police and she took it to to the courts. But it, but that were, that's just an example of how it can go. So it really does just does depend, you know, on who's who's doing what. I know my experience with an event an event organizer was not positive at all. Gosh, it's not not great to hear that. And I, yeah, I'm saddened by that response. So yeah, again, that's why I wanted to bring you on to sort of share some light about the field. Do you think it's getting worse though? I mean, you've been in the field for for you know a yeah. while. It is. Yeah, I I do. I was chatting to to a guy about this actually recently, just messaging on, on LinkedIn, and he was saying he was saying the same thing. I've I just. I do think it is getting worse, but that could be because I've been doing this for so long and I've been hearing it for so long. My my kind of experience is that there's a lot of lip service being paid towards it, virtue signaling. Uh, people have endless amounts of time just to do more and more meetings and you know they can extend for a year or longer. Budgets aren't being set aside. You know, if any investment is being made into this, it really is on looking, I think, the part in terms of their reporting and things like that. And maybe websites, you know, so that they can look as if they have women, you know, maybe they'll get a woman speaker in, and maybe they'll do a women's network. But like I said, from from my experience, the the budgets, the investment, it, that's not, that's not there. It's just tomorrow, 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 or 
yeah, we can't do it, or our budget's been withdrawn, or this person's left, or whatever it is. There's a, there, it's not a high priority for them at all. They just want to look as if it is, and they want to get up on stage or promote themselves as being a company that invests in women, and they don't. They don't. Yeah, okay. I want to get into the virtue signaling. I, I'm a walker, not a talker, and I think there are people that do this for, like you said, lip service. I think it's PR-related as well. So how can how can we sort of tell if a company's being genuine in what they're saying? Because you are right. Anyone can get up and say, "Oh, I believe in gender, di- you know, diversity yeah. and this and that," and then you know, an hour later, he's having a go at someone at a conference. Like, doesn't yeah. quite add up. So, is there certain things that you notice that maybe would sort of indicate that a company is disingenuous? Well, it's I don't know if I would. I would notice it. I mean, from my interactions with them, I, I would because, you know, how long does it take them to book a meeting? You know, I had one company, a bank, it took them eight months. In fact, two two companies, eight months to get a meeting. And then with one of them, they cancelled the meeting 20 minutes before. Like, no reason, just cancelled it. And so, so for me, it really is speed. Like how, you know, like what priority are you giving to this? You know, knowing knowing budgets and things like that. I mean, I've interacted with people and they've just, they've just been like, I don't know what can you can you propose for this? I don't know what our budget is, but can you just give us this, this, and this? And it's just like, how can you not what, know what the budget is? I mean, that's just like ludicrous. You know, it, it really is. So yeah, it's it's there are too many time wasters, too many time wasters. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I think that, again, a number of people, it's very easy to get up there and say something, but are you practicing what you preach at the end of the day? The answer varies, but probably maybe more no. So I'm curious now, okay, what can people start doing? Let's get into solutions. Let's get tangible results. I mean, I've spoken to men about it as well. I think some of them maybe are unsure or maybe they don't get the buy-in for like you said. So I really want to hear from you, Jane, like what can people really to make, to give, I guess, get an outcome, to make the industry better, to actually encourage other women to work in this space, um, I yeah, go for your life. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, first of all, read my book. I mean, Microsoft said, you know, it's the only book that actually tells you what to do. So, I mean, that's just a no brainer. And, you know, I don't get rich from my book, <laughs> literally at all. But read my book. That's a, that's a great start. Again, I know so many people that haven't read my book, but pretend that, that they have. And again, we'll get on the stage and, and things like that. Read my book like, and be open to the possibilities. That's number one. I've got a 47-page report, you know, which is an assessment. So if, if there's a company or a leader there who's interested in this, they can take that assessment. They can take that quiz. It's, it's, they can like engage me you know or have a discovery call with me and see if we're a good fit and then engage me i mean that's another kind of thing that they can they can do it it depends you know as for kind of like other measures and things like that it really depends on i mean there are just so so many it but it depends on the person you know who they are what their position is you know at a at a company what their appetite is how much time time they've got most people when you talk about this will always bring up schools and like education and let's get into a girls school or go and speak to children specifically girls and things like that and that's all great and it really is and that that does make a a big difference it it really does but it's not going to make a fast difference you know it's not gonna 
it's not going to it's going to not going to help in the immediate and like future because that takes time you know to to come about and also if that's not kind of sustained then those young girls can can drop off and go off and do do something else like law or or teaching or whatever it is music or drama whatever whatever it is you know so so that has to be kind of sustained so it 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 really does depend it depends on on where they're at how much time they've got and their responsibilities so going back to the accountable side of things now a few years ago a really great friend of mine he's in the industry and i i posted a video and this this man who who isn't even in our field to be honest completely different field not cyber and he said no one asked you woman i didn't see it but other people did and then i saw it and the interest the, the the thing that got so crazy about this story and this was going back like maybe 3 years ago people started saying like, i can't believe you said like like woman on it like what like what's yeah. wrong with you and you got called out long story short he then like tried to, you know, call their switch numbers and a bunch of emails saying, oh, someone stole my laptop, wrote that. And then the comment was edited to say Carissa instead mm. to, I guess, appease the uh, the comments beneath it, which was like, why do you have to refer to her as a woman? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And yeah, long story short, a friend of mine in the space actually um, – doxed him online he goes I don't normally do this but this is really unacceptable and the amount of people that just piled on I've never heard from that guy ever again I actually couldn't remember his name where he worked but he he sent a bunch of emails saying can I please speak to Carissa and I was thinking no why am I going to like because now you've been publicly shamed I'm now not going to waste any more time speaking to you to give me a fabricated story that someone stole your laptop to then edit a comment and then they stole it again. I just don't believe it. Like I wasn't born yesterday and this is the crazy behavior that's happened. And then I think as a result, I think the guy was a bit rattled that he was held accountable. Now, I, I don't like to publicly shame people, but I've seen people say like, if this was a person that's done this, we should know who they are. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no shame, no blame, just better business. I mean, that's kind of like how how I try to be. So even like with the code of conduct, you know, with the events, I mean, that went through lots and lots of lawyers and a lot of a lot of participants. And we all kind of said like no, no shaming or no kind of like lists being compiled and things like that. And I know there are event organizers, you know, who have done have done that. I. I mean, look, I certainly on, on Twitter, I, I called in the cavalry. So, you know, I got some really hardcore people who were like, they were taking them down. And then these are like brilliant people and really smart and just literally had a field day with some of these, these kind of trolls, you know, for want, want of a better word. So, you know, I, I didn't kind of shame or anything like, like that, but you do need support. And I had people you know, when I was being attacked online, who came to me privately and said, look, you know, are you okay? I'm really sorry that I can't comment. I'm frightened or my boss might see or a lawyer has advised me not to do this and, and so on. But I want you to know that I'm, I'm thinking of you and I want you to, I want to check that you are okay and you're coping okay. So I don't, I think shaming and, and I don't like, I don't like shaming at all. It's like, 
it, I always seek first to try and understand. And I know some people can be vile and, and horrible and dangerous, but I always try try to understand. And I think if you're shaming, then you can literally put fuel on the fire. So I, I don't I don't think it's the right thing to do. But you know, you've got to do what what you think is is right. Yeah, I'm definitely of the same opinion. I think that again, I think that this this whole person's story like was just a complete lie, and I think people were over it and were just like, no, we're just going to expose this person. And I haven't, like I said, I haven't heard from that guy since. I couldn't remember his name anyway. So if I walked past him in the street, I wouldn't know it was him. So I think mm-hmm. that it's no real right or wrong way. I think that there, I'm mindful and I'm cognizant of what other, how other people treat other people online. So for example, if someone comments on your post that wasn't friendly, I would probably be mindful about what they potentially say to other people because I think it shows people's true colors by how they interact with other people online as well. I did contact some employers as well. You know, it's just like, do you want your brand associated like with this, you know, this, this language, this behavior? So just kind of alerting them to it. And like I said, you know, one of my friends in Australia, the first time it happened, she got in in contact with the company. That wasn't me. I was just copied in. So we we can all be supportive of of one another and come to each other's aid so that we're not struggling on our on our own. And we can do the right thing by certainly, you know, alerting companies, because because if you are if this is happening on social media like LinkedIn or, or Twitter, Many you can, like just this is what we do. You can just do a, a search and find out well who is this person most most of the time, and uh, and deal deal with it you know with their employer that way. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I've always found interesting over the years. Like we can see who you are and where you work and what your position is. And I think in the past people have been you know called up by the HR saying like why are you doing it? it doesn't set a great image for the company. And I mean you can you don't have control over what people post online, but. You know, if someone's going around and putting malicious comments on people's posts for no real reason, it's it's awful and it reflects badly on them as an individual, but also company as well. And it's something I've never quite understood. I also think as well, like with comments and people asking me like, you know, how do I handle it on social media? Like you can be very polite, professional, but I think you can be firm as well. Like I've yeah. politely pushed back on people online to be like, you completely took out of context what I've said or no, you should probably listen to the whole thing first before making an assumption. So I don't think it necessarily needs to sort of like lay down and let people walk all over you. But I think there's a fine line between being polite, professional, and then, you know, you don't want to sort of tip over into the other side of just being, I guess, highly emotional and reacting to their awful comments. I, I would definitely agree. I mean, I've seen things blow up because people, in fact, it was men. It was it was men being emotional with one another. And that was, you know, that really was awful. But again, like everybody loves a bun fight. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm getting popcorn, you know, which is usually what people say. Or, you know, if it goes on, sometimes like I'm alerted. It's just like, Jane, have you seen this? Or like, check this out or whatever. And it's it's people watch. And so you do have to handle things in a professional manner because people are watching and they are looking to see how you are handling it. But equally, silence is very powerful. So sometimes, you know, actually not responding and letting it go is is the right thing to do, you know, but you have to kind of like feel, feel your way through it, I think. Yeah, most definitely. So when you said before, women's voices are being silenced, what do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's literally they... 
you know, they're frightened to say to say things. So whether it is online commenting, whether it is at, at, at their organization, if things are happening, you know, it's just like, well, you know, what, what's going to happen to me? Because there may be a story that, that they've heard at their, at their organization or somewhere else about a woman who has spoken up about inappropriateness or bullying or too much work or whatever it is, and they've got fired or they're, they're now being watched very carefully. So it's, they've almost been, it's almost like a mark against them. Oh, she can't cope or she's asking too much questions or she's causing trouble. So, so they can keep quiet. It's just like, no, just like pick your battles. Like don't say anything. Don't speak up. You know, you're a target. You're a minority anyway. So you stand out more. You know, so all, all of that goes on, on online, on social media and, and outside of it as well. So do you have any sort of advice, Jane, maybe for people, women who are listening, that is there anything that they can sort of take away from today's conversation that they can, you know, yield for themselves to ensure that they have a level of resiliency or any sort of inf- like information that they can take after listening from you today that some of the struggles that they may have in the industry or within their, with their manager or internally? Well, it's, it's firstly, I think, to, for them to know that they're not alone. You know, so these, these troubles are, are there. Like so many women go, th- go through them. And that's why I think having a, a women's network is, is really useful because these stories can be shared and advice can be sought. You know, so it's, it's not simply a case of, well, you know, the, these women-only networks are, are really good for like career development and things like that. Yes, they are. Research has, has found that a woman can advance two and a half times as fast if she has access to a, a female network, you know, an inner circle of, of women where she can ask questions, you know, privately and safely, as well as having another type of network, you know, which is far more varied and, and isn't kind of like gender specific. So. Yeah, I mean, it's to know that they're not alone. To 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 speak to other women, like, and to to have to speak to their mentor if they have one, or you know, they can always engage a coach if they if they want to do that. But really, it's it's speaking up, it's speaking to someone about this, and and certainly not gaslighting themselves. You know, not making themselves wrong because it's so easy for that to happen, and the industry makes us wrong so much of the time. You know, for example, like. Women don't apply for jobs, you know, so it's women's women's fault. Women don't speak up, it's women's fault. Women don't take enough risks, it's women's fault. But you know, women just have to take more. Women are never enough, you know. So that's a message that they that that we as women hear so much. We're either too much, too aggressive, too ambitious, too technical, or not enough. Not technical enough, you know, not ambitious enough, you know, not wanting that leadership position enough, not speaking up enough, you know, not going for it enough or whatever it is. So, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I think like women just knowing these stories and knowing that they're not alone, that can be quite comforting. You know, it, it's not okay. It, you know, it's literally like, okay, this is how it is. Now I've got to deal with it, you know. So I think that that can help. So yes, have having that support system that's that's the number one thing having that support system and that could be from anyone it doesn't have to be from from women there are so many there are so many great people out there there are 
guys in my network who have who are absolutely fantastic, so supportive. I learn so much from them, not not just about the industry, but about like behavior and and whatever. So, you know, really it's it's having a strong support net network and and I would I would add, you know, having a, a women's network in addition. So how can the industry support you, Jane, in what you're doing and the beliefs that you foster and your values? It can actually start investing in me because I'm just really tired of companies coming to me and wanting free advice. So it's just that I produce so much podcasts, videos, blogs, you know, I've got a whole, I mean, even like this year, I just did a quick count the other day as to my contribution, talks, like there is just so much that I do for free. So if a leader, say, is is really wanting to change the situation, then they can come and have a meaningful conversation with me expecting to invest money and not get something for free. Because this is something that that happens again with women. We're asked to do more, take on another job, you know, or to do something for free because that's just the stereotype. So yeah, how, if 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 a company, a leader wants to have a meaningful conversation then, then about this and get that transformation that they want, they can they can invest in me and the work that I do and not expect to get the advice, the consultation, consultancy for free. So Jane, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about a real issue that exists in the market and being very forthcoming uh, about it because I think it's something that does need to be addressed and it does need to be heard. So thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks, Carissa. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. This podcast is brought to you by Merksec, the specialists in security, search, and recruitment solutions. Visit MerckSec.com to connect today. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.